Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Today's episode of Wine and Dime is sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm that believes life is about events, supported by your dollars and cents. And we want to help you achieve your goals. Hop on over to www.rootedpg.com to learn more about the services. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Hello, podcast listeners. Amy Irvine here, founder and CEO of Rooted Planning Group. I'm thrilled to bring you part five of our economic series that we're doing here this over the last couple of weeks. And just to recap real quick, we have the first four parts. Part one, we dug into the fun topic, quote unquote, of understanding the Fed funds rate. Part two, we dug into understanding economic indicators. And part three, we talked about the gross domestic product. In part four, we talked about CPI and unemployment. And then in part five today, we are going to be talking about the fun idea behind, because we left off with consumer sentiment, we are going to be talking about investor settlement. That's one of the topics we're going to be uh, discussing, as well as stock market and the economy and stock market valuations and earnings growth. But before we dig into that, I'm going to continue my track around the United States since we're talking about our economy. I wanted to focus on wineries and regions within the United States. I tried to find some unique ones that I hadn't heard of before, and I came across one in New Mexico or the region in New Mexico. So now I have to add this one to my list of wineries that I explore and or maybe I maybe I'll have to actually go to New Mexico. Maybe I'll be a good conference location out there sometime soon and I'll be able to explore just a little bit more. So New Mexico, and this is according to Wikipedia, New Mexico has a long history of wine production with American wine, especially along the Rio Grande. From its capital state, uh, capital of Santa Fe, excuse me, the city of Albuquerque with its surrounding metropolitan area and in valleys like, I'm probably going to say these wrong, but Masella and the Membris River, not great at pronunciation. I apologize if I'm saying this wrong, but in 1629, Franciscan friar 
a Franciscan friar uh, and a monk, and I'm not even going to try to say their names because I know I'm going to crucify them, planted the first wine grapes in Santa Fe and in what became the modern middle Rio Grande Valley. And today, wineries exist in the aforementioned middle area and er different areas of uh, New Mexico. So again, I would suggest that you maybe um, go out and explore a little if you're headed that direction uh, or if you're in a wine shop and you like to try different kinds of wines. From what I read, the viticulture uh, took hold in about 1629. So it is an old viticulture there. And by the year 1880, grapes were grown in over 3,000 acres. I know I'm talking about centuries ago. Uh, what's interesting is that this industry sort of got hit quite hard and then has started to come back in recent years. And they have been collaborating with Italian, Spanish, and French wineries and making hy hybrid grapes. So I'm really excited to find this region because it's not one that would have come to my head. And uh, um, it'll be a mission of mine to explore, to see what local um, what wine shops have for that particular region. And if I can't find anything, like I said, I might have to go out and uh, and explore by uh, ordering some miscellaneous uh, options online. So anyway, uh, New Mexico is my pick for this particular podcast. If you happen to know of a great New Mexico wine that you'd like to like for me to try, uh, please send it my way. Send me a note. And who knows, I may even feature it in the future on the podcast. So I mentioned to you that we were going to be talking about investor sentiment. We left off at that on part four. Investor sentiment has swung wildly in the, in the, on a weekly basis throughout this particular cycle. Sediment is often a contrarian indicator since stock market bubbles are, are often characterized by what's called irrational exuberance. Yes, that's a term. Staying disciplined often means not overreacting to short-term market movements. You've heard this from me time and time and time and time again, and from many other experts as well. The data comes from the American Association of Individual Investors. The, it's called an AAII survey. The survey asks individual investors about their market optimism, and then responses are limited to bearish, bullish, or neutral. So that's the answers that they can give. We've recently seen an uptick in the neutral sentiment, and although up from its trough, the bear, the bull bear spread still remains negative. In my opinion, that's a sign that it's a time to buy, since most investors are feeling negative and, and possibly holding off on investing due to fear. And many of you have heard me say time and time again, buy on fear, sell on greed. So that's one of the areas um, when you hear about investor settlement, when you hear the release of the news on investor settlement, settlement that is, is what they're referring to. When it comes to the stock market and the economy, the stock market is a leading indicator. Remember, we talked about that in part two. That's a leading indicator, and it goes both ways. Uh, when, the, uh, when the stock market feels the economy is going to go down, it will actually be a leading indicator down before we start to see the economy actually be in a recession and then or slow down, I should say. And then it can also be a leading indicator up. And while bar bear markets are unavoidable, bull markets historically are much longer and have much larger returns over time. 
bear markets are defined as a decline from a prior market high of more than 20%. And since 1956, the average bear market has lasted one year and two months. Now, this is averages with a decline of 36%. In contrast, the average bull market lasts five years and nine months with returns of 192%. These are just averages. And I want you to understand, I can never guarantee any of this, but this is the historic nature of it. Now, the other part that I think is important um, to think about is the stock market valuation and earnings growth. So when we talk... (laughs) Because again, I you know a lot of people have been asking me why is the stock market going up if the economy is go- you know going down? And like I said, it, stock market tends to be a leading indicator. If we are in a recession, then we're probably going to come out of the recession. So the stock market would lead you know be the leading indicator or one of the leading indicators coming out of that recession. But the other thing that we like to look at is the actual stock market valuations and earnings growth. We've definitely seen um, stock earnings growth decline. There's no question. When I look at the charts, I definitely see that decline. Corporate earnings are still growing, but at a much slower rate um, as the broad economy decelerates. The S&P 500 earnings reached historic highs or peaks over the, the past two years, but inflation and consumer worries has slowed the growth. So we've seen that in the charts. In general, higher profitability makes valuations more attractive, but the one year, um, the the year over year, one year over year growth rate of the S&P 500 for the 12 month trailing earnings per share is something that we tend to follow. The average over the past 33 years has been about 10%, where the current growth rate is only about 1.6. So we've seen that decline happen And in the past, right, and when we've seen it happen, similar dips like this in the past, they typically are followed by larger than normal growth rates. Now, this is, again, no guarantee that that will happen, but that's been the historic trend. So if that's the case, again, this is another signal to us that it's not maybe immediate, but it's probably somewhere down the future here within the next I would say six to 12 months that we're going to see that turn around. So right now we're below the average. And, you know, in order to keep that average, we have to go above the average. So again, when we've seen these kinds of um, declines in the past, it has been an, uh, an opportunity, I guess you want to say, for things to sort of come back. I think that's going to continue to fall. I think you're going to see earnings growth rate fall just a little bit more. Uh, it'll probably go negative for if we do do head into a recession. But like I said, at this point in time, it's about 1.6. Average is about 10. I would still recommend, you know, maybe dollar cost averaging in um, at this stage of the game because we don't know exactly where that's going to settle at. Another important thing that we follow when we're talking about the overall, um, and you'll hear me say this, you know, about moving averages. This is something that you've heard me report on throughout uh, the the past um, quarters when I, or months when I've done my podcast or when I've done my um, monthly release, and that is the moving averages. So stock stock market moving averages, and in some cases even bond market moving averages. But I do tend to focus on the stock market. 
You can look at any combination of moving averages, but we look particularly at the S&P 500 price index alongside the 50, 100, and 200-day trailing moving averages of that index. The importance of this information to us is to show trends. These are simple averages over different periods of time. So because the economy and the stock market don't always talk the same language, we like to follow the trends of what the, the moving averages are doing to see, you know, what's the story that it's telling us. So the 50-day moving average shows how the market has been behaving recently, right, within the last basically month and a half, um, while the 100 and the 200 are a little bit longer term. We've recently seen the averages turn up and the three moving averages have narrowed significantly. With the 50-day crossing over both the 100 and 200-day uh, moving averages and the 100-day cross the 200-day moving average as well. So all on the upswing. And what that means is for us, when there's historically been an upswing, this tends to be a buy signal. Now, that's a technical signal. It's not necessarily a fundamental signal like earnings is, but technically speaking, that tends to be a little bit of a signal, especially when the 200-day moving average is the lower of the, of the three moving averages. And that's what it is right now. So if we looked at those three bands, right now, um, we would see the 50-day, the 100-day, and the 200-day really narrowing, as I mentioned, and the 200 days at the bottom of that moving average chart. This is not a guarantee again, but based on historical data, this is, you know, this is how I sort of think, okay, is this a, you know, are we about to see a turn? And I can't say for sure, but I can say historically that has has been what happened. So again, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I know I threw a lot of terms out at you. So wrapping it all up today, we talked a little bit about the investor sentiment. We talked about the stock market and the economy and how the two sort of work together. Um, at least at periods of time like this, they don't seem to be walking in lockstep, but now hopefully you understand the, the reason. And then why that those things are important to look beyond, you know, what's happening right now, but also the valuations and earnings growth along with, and on the, that's on a fundamental perspective. And then also on a ten, uh, technical perspective, looking at moving day averages. Again, we really hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we hope that this series is helping you understand a little bit more about our economy. I want to thank you for listening to the show today. And if you liked this show or you think that you know somebody who would like this show, please feel free to share it with your friends and rate us on iTunes so that more people like you can find us. Thanks, everyone.